Welcome, everyone, to 2023 season episode 41 of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Fans for Fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades, and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news, notes, and a lineup of special guests all throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville Speedway. Blaney right on the back bumper of Michael McDowell, this time by. One lap to go, presented by Credit One Bank. Uh, Half a mile of fuel is what Ryan Blaney needs. Less than that now. As he works his way through the final turns, Ryan Blaney is going to win his way into the championship four. He wins at Martinsville. Yeah, baby. Let's go, fellas. Let's go. Awesome job, man. Let's go race for a championship. So proud of everybody, man. Good job. Let's go win a championship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go, boys. Well, Steve, how about that? Blaney <laughs> wins in a walk-off, and we're headed to the championship four. Shortest podcast ever. <laughs> it is. We just recapped it. <laughs> I don't know about you. Playing that last lap, I mean, this actually might my first time listening to that whole thing mm-hmm. because, luckily, um, for the second time, we've been in the same place and seen Ryan Blaney go to victory lane. This is the second time this year that you've been in person along with your wife, Kate, seeing Ryan Blaney go to victory lane. I know we've seen some exciting ones. This is number four for you to see Ryan win, but man, I cannot think of a more exciting way for Ryan Blaney to lock himself into the championship four than winning a grandfather clock at Martinsville, dominating the race captivating the crowd who stuck behind well after the race was over to see him celebrate in victory lane. And I mean, I just, it just gives me chills kind of talking about all of it and I cannot be more pumped for what lies ahead uh, this year and, and beyond for this 12 team. The the crowd stuff was so, so awesome because um, I don't know what it is about Denny Hamlin and, and I'm sure there are people that'll tell you exactly why, but they really hate him there. He got lots of booze. And the thing was, is when Ryan was racing with him back and forth, back and forth, and there were a couple exchanges where they swapped the lead. And every time Ryan took the lead back, the place went nuts. And, you know, there were tons of Ryan fans there. Obviously, we saw more merchandise on people than we've probably seen, you know, pretty much ever, you know, since you and I have been going to these races that Ryan's been in since the Wood Brothers days. And back then you could find one Wood Brothers t-shirt, maybe two, you know, and not that many people had them. But now... Uh, the fan base is growing and just like Dale jr. Last weekend, uh, he's team Blaney and, uh, there are a lot more people that are team Blaney now. So cool to experience a race like that. And, and, and like you said, it, the fan base is just growing and growing and growing, um, plenty of, uh, videos on YouTube, on Twitter or on X on Facebook of Ryan getting out of the car and the crowd just being like deafening. And I, you know, 
we're us along with our wives are like, you know, we're what row 55 up in the tower. And we're like trying to scurry our way down toward victory lane as quickly as possible. And it's like, we get down there and I feel like we kind of stop. We're kind of taking it all in. And then I turned around at one point and I'm just like, nobody, nobody left. Nobody's like, even like trying to get down the stairs. Like even when we were trying to get down the stairs, you know, I felt like we had pretty easy passage because everyone's still in their seat. Uh, kind of wait to hear from Ryan and, um, like you said, it's just, it's been amazing to see this thing grow. Um, I know we've grown as a, as a team on social media over the last few years. Um, but in, with that, the fan base has gotten even bigger and, you know, it's just, it's, it's just so interesting going all the way back and uh, not that many people that listen to this care about the, the Dave Blaney days that much, but going all the way back to how kind of small and close knit that group was, I'm always just still trying to kind of revive that feeling. And I feel like we're with the the people that we got around us, the people that uh, we talk to that we see, I mean, we go to races now, you know, we see tons of people that we know we have to talk to these to people um, just it's so fun to interact with everybody. And um, there's lots of old, you know, people that had connections to the quickest lap days. Uh, we saw Darren Bartholomew over the weekend for the first time, who was a young race car driver back in the day, a big Ryan, a big Dave Blaney fan and now Ryan Blaney fan. He's all grown up now. and It's kind of cool to see him. But all these people got to see Ryan probably win the biggest race of his career to date um, as he, you know, again, locks in, gets this this championship for birth. Um, and he did it in front of, they said it was a sellout. I mean, in person, eh, it was, it was probably business wise, a sellout, but there was a ton of people at Martinsville and everybody got to see it. And I don't think anybody was disappointed. Uh, well, some people were disappointed, I'm sure, but the majority of people <laughs> were very happy to see, uh, Ryan Blaney hop out of that car, hop on the roof, jump up and down. You know, he was pumped. The team was pumped. Um, you said you mentioned to me earlier watching some videos of the pit crew and the road crew guys celebrating like it's just you know how hard these guys work all season long uh, how much they put into it their lives their time time away from their families and um they all get a chance to go and compete for a championship at phoenix and we're all with them we're all behind them and i uh, can't wait to to kind of discuss this race and discuss what's going to happen in the future yeah you know there's a you were talking about the aspect of um you know, following Dave and, and the fact that, you know, when you launched team Blaney as a whole, um, you know, it was to follow Dave, Brian and, and Dale, um, you know, all three of them and the things they were doing every weekend. And, um, there is a picture or two from victory lane because it was really, really, really cool. Uncle Dale was there too this weekend and, uh, you know, uh, big Dave and, and, and his wife and, and Dale and Ryan also on stage around that clock. Um, was really really amazing to see uh of course dale standing next to ryan <laughs> in the picture too that's a big difference in height but um you know just knowing the people knowing them um as a family uh and how, how um how great they've been to us as fans uh over all these years it makes you really really feel for them even more um more happy for them than ever and, uh, you know, let's see what we can do for one more week here. You know, it also was a great weekend just the, for the fact that um, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation was on hand with their tent. Um, they're also the ones that run the Blaney Bunch fan club. There was a fan club gathering there. 
when uh, to on both days, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, Ryan did a Q&A session at the NASCAR Experience and all the members of the fan club. One of the perks of being the members was they do little events like this throughout the year. And we got to get front row access to the stage uh, as Ryan was doing this uh, interview. Um, on Sunday, you mentioned Dale Blaney, Brian's uncle being on hand as uh, there's another quick fan club meetup. And so folks got to see Dale, which you don't get to see Dale too often. You know, he's been out luckily last this past year running sprint cars again, very successful uh, alongside brother Dave. And um, yeah, there's videos and photo from victory lane. You see Lisa and Dave and Dale all celebrating with Ryan. And um, yeah, Dale's post that he put on Twitter uh, was, was really, really awesome talking about how he thought it was one of his best days at a racetrack. And if you know, Dale Blaney, he's had plenty of good days at a racetrack, but I think seeing one of his family members, his nephew, you know, so close to the pinnacle of motorsport in the United States. Um, all of them have to be extremely proud and they all know all the hard work that every member of the Blaney family puts into everything that they do from owning racetracks to owning businesses to uh, preparing for races, uh, interacting with their fans. Um, mm-hmm. Just such a great family. And I'm really glad that um, we're always, we've always been there to support them and they've always been there to support us. Yeah, if you haven't had a chance to, um, you know, in the next year, you know, when they're when the the tent, uh, the family foundation tent is at a racetrack, go there, go talk to Patty uh, Auber, who helps helps run everything for them. Um, you know, it's so great. Uh, the charity is is important, and but the thing is, the people running it are really really good people. Um, you know, Dale's daughter Leah um, does so much for 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 the foundation, and you know, she's there half the time. And, uh, you know, she did a great, great job this weekend, um, you know, getting everybody together on Sunday and they actually had the little gift bags for all the, uh, Blaney bunch members. So, <clears throat> you know, look into the fan club next year too, if you can, you know, because like, like you said, there's some perks there. Um, but it really kicked off a great weekend. Um, and the weather, uh, weather cooperated, um, even though you were there. It's crazy. I mean, it was weird. I mean, record high. I think they I think they had eighty four. Yeah. I think it was eighty two before was the record high for the area. Mm-hmm. I have to ask. Um, so this was my wife and I's first time at Martinsville. One historic facility, but I was telling you, I'm like, felt like everything was brand new. Everything's manicured. Everything's nice. Um, what was your hot dog count? Um, I, think I don't think I you're really had, into them that much, right? Had, you're not. I had two. We've had. Two, we've yeah. had. We've had, had enough of them over the years. I think I overindulged because we, I'd never had one before. So I think we we each had six over okay. over a two day period, which compared yeah. to some folks out there is yeah is not that much. But I heard they ran out. <laughs> they they yeah, ran yeah, out yeah. before the end they of the second stage. So they didn't have enough. Um, um, you know, it's funny. Jeff Gluck brought it up on their podcast uh, on the teardown. Um, uh, he he couldn't. You know, really you know that they couldn't eat too many of those things because it just uh, what it does to the digestion. you know what was track. weird <laughs> is that jeff i would expect that this had been totally different and <laughs> people can listen to the teardown if they want but mm-hmm. i would have expected jordan to be the one with as as clean cut and, and presentable that he is would be the anti martinsville hot dog guy and jeff would be the one that's all about it but it was the opposite jordan's like oh no i like him <laughs> so yeah so uh, yeah but that that's another whole thing but and if you are listening uh, if, i would uh, encourage people to go listen to the teardown because you will get uh, a few minutes with the uh, interview they do with ryan mm-hmm. as well uh right after his win there um that you won't hear anywhere else unless you listen to their podcast yeah. and um yeah. so go ahead and listen to that but yeah i felt like all the stars aligned this weekend between all the, the stuff the blaney family was doing with their foundation at the at the track encouraging fans to all come there and gather 
and uh, we all got to be there to experience this victory and all of it wouldn't have happened if uh, practice and qualifying didn't happen because that's what kicks off the weekend <laughs> for the NASCAR Cup Series. And um, you drove overnight. So this was some dedication. You drove overnight just to get there in time for practice. And I said, wow, I uh, yeah. I did that for Homestead, but it was to because I was going to be able to get down in the garage area. Um, you are dedicated, my friend. And I, I say it all the time. The amount of work that Steve puts into uh, these race reports and being as detailed as possible is pretty amazing. So this is dedication right here. And it all <laughs> kicks off with this practice and qualifying report. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is these, this report's not going to be as detailed as normal, just based on a couple of things. First of all, the way the way the race went. And then secondly, uh, you know, being at the track, it's a lot harder to pick up some of the things. I mean, I get the radio, but I'm not sitting there with a notebook at the track. You know, we try to take in the whole, whole event, but, um, you know, Saturday, um, we did get there in time and, uh, the sun was out and it, it, you know, he was in group B and group B was slower than group a pretty, um, uh, pretty much the whole time. And what's interesting was when they go out on the track and both the groups screwed this up, I, I believe it was the 11 car led group a out and the five car led group B out. Martinsville, you know how it's shaped, and the uh, when you're coming off pit road, it's actually after turn two onto the back straight. And both sessions, the guy who was leading them out, like I said, the 11 was leading them out in group A, the five in group B, they went out real slow, real slow, real slow. Now, mind you, there are 18 cars going out, and they were trying to figure out how to get a gap together so they could get it started and wound up, and what they ended up doing was two or three pace laps basically before they could fire up the cars and it was ridiculous what they should have done was pull all the way down to the end of the back stretch and stop almost and let everybody pile off of pit road and then fire off if they would have fired off and then just fired off fired off fired off fired off right behind each other they wouldn't have wasted like they wasted literally uh three or four laps on the second yeah. session and it was just yeah, it was just crazy their whole goal and like the radio folks talked about this and they they said it even before hamlin had gone out well they the goal was hamlin wanted to get out there get enough gap to do a mock qualifying run well he messed it all up so that didn't really happen and they wanted to do this because it'd be the only time you'd be out there on fresh tires and just try to do something and he wanted to do that and then immediately come back in and make adjustments but it was just especially group two group b it was just ridiculous what was going on there because nobody wanted to go and and i was confused i was like oh like are the radio people confused maybe they didn't throw the green yet and like the starters just standing there with the green kind of just flopping in the breeze because he'd already waved it so yeah anyway, I mean, weird way to kick off the weekend but um, it just it just yeah things just got really better kinda, from there yeah it just really kind of messed up the 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 start of the practice and i don't know how many of those time laps you know if they when they start the timing on them uh based on all that so it just it kind of messed up everything for that. Um, uh, what was interesting, like you said, the the twenty and the nineteen and the eleven all did these like mock qualifying runs. Their their idea was to try to get track position early, and so that's all they were. They worked on uh, so their times as far as like the single lap times were really great. Um, but a guy like Ryan, uh, you know, he wasn't worried about that. You know, Ryan ran fifty four laps, ran the whole thing out um, in Group B. Didn't really have you know. But what was interesting is uh, when you go to the lap averages, uh, like I said, Group B was slower, but Ryan's, you know, like 15 and 20 and 25 lap averages were the fastest of Group B. 
So we knew within the group, within those 18 cars, he was the best car. And it was even over a 30, 30 lap run. You know, he was the top of that bunch. So uh, I knew there was long run speed there. You know, um, it's funny as in the post race stuff later on, they talk about, they had, they definitely knew they had short run speed, but uh, he had, he had a mixed bag of everything there. Um, now he went out second to last in group B for qualifying and ended up p5 with one to go and i believe is of course the great 20 car <laughs> now they get two laps uh, so we're watching the board there and the 20 does the first lap and he did not beat ryan with the first lap and i'm like he might hang on to this just like you know and the, the 20 did beat him on the second lap <laughs> so uh, he gets he, he gets bumped out um but it ends up being p11 to start the race so this has happened in the last month or so where they, they missed the top 10 but we know they're one of the faster cars. So we just got to get to Sunday and you know, see how they start. And I was worried um, because some, you don't know how it's going to go sometimes with the way the groups are split. Sometimes you could be sixth in your group and start 18th. Yeah. So I was like, oh, man. And luckily, they were pretty quick about updating where he would start. So it ended up being 11th. So he had a good enough time to, to make it to 11th. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, I wanted him to be at least in the top 10. So eleventh was gonna be was gonna be good enough, and I'm glad that 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 time held up compared yeah. to all of the groups. And obviously, we go to find out that it's because the car was just so dang good. Yeah. So yeah, nineteen gets the pole. Um, the eleven cars P four, the five cars P five, the twenty cars P seven. Uh, we know the Ryan is eleventh here. Um, we got the uh, seventeen car. I think it was eighteenth. Yeah, uh, the, the forty five, seventeen, and twenty four are all pretty deep. Yeah, they're pretty deep. The 45 was 19th, the 24 was 24th. Yeah, they're way back. And um, this is going to be an issue for a couple of them because they just didn't have any kind of speed to begin with. So um, is it bad and- that I knit for a split second I was I was concerned about the 19 getting the pole and the 11 being up there? But I was more concerned about the 11 because the 19, I was like, they're going to they're going to implode like something bad's going to happen. A wheel's going to fall off or, or Truex is going to speed somehow. And uh, we'll we'll find out what happens in the race. But uh, the 11 car really does end up being one of the main people where Ryan is racing all day long. Well, if you go back to last week's podcast, you can go back and find my point explanation and one of my scenarios and paths that I like to do. And um, it actually came to fruition. Um, Really, truthfully, if the I couldn't believe it, Steve, (laughs) I'm sitting there. I thought there was no chance. I'm poking no you and you're like, what, 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 why is he poking me? Why is he keep, you know, your wife's sitting between us. We're not really, we have my headset. The way it's hooked up is, is hooked up to my, you know, my wife and who, so we can talk, communicate between each other. You and I couldn't really. And yeah, I'm poking you a couple different times and doing some numbers. And you're like, just shaking your head. Like what's what, what the hell are you talking about? First off. But then as you realize that you're like, oh my God, they just did everything that he said they needed to do. Um, we'll get into that as we, as we go through this. Um, because that was it. that was the other thing about the 24 car starting so deep. Okay, so Ryan is right outside the top 10 to start the race. Um, and the 24 car so deep, the 24 car has to get, you know, get up there to get some similar points. To start the day, Ryan is 10 points above the cut line, 10 points above the 45 at the cut line. Uh, but he's 20 points behind the 24. And like I said last week, if you could literally get to the 24 and we were hoping like a scenario where the 24 had an issue somewhere along the way and, you know, maybe ended up 
you know, not on the track or way back and never can make it up to get back into the, into the lead lap and, you know, and gain all those positions, you know, Ryan gains those positions and gains those points and then beat, you know, but really truthfully, it just ends up being that the 24 doesn't end up making it into the top 10 to begin with. And that's where his day starts going South. Um, so we get to race day Sunday, uh, 130 laps for first stage, 260 for second stage. And then of course, 500 at the end. Pit stall 41, one of Ryan Flores' favorite pit stalls. It's the last one on pit road, or as my wife says, it's the first one on pit road because you, as soon as you get to pit road, it's there. Um, it's on the bend, which kind of gives them a little bit of an angle to get into the box the way it is. Uh, the seven cars in front of him, you know, on and off during the day, the seven car is there. He has to come out around him. They have to stop short once or twice, which is mentioned on the radio, but they do a good job of that. Um. And the leader starts, the leader of the 19 starts this race on the outside. And, you know, usually you think of Martinsville, you think about being on the inside lane and the choo-choo train that hopefully keep, keep underneath, but there does get some separation and some people do move around and shuffle a bit, but, uh, by lap three up to 10th here and at, uh, lap nine up to ninth, up lap 23 up to eighth, uh, lap 48, uh, P seven here, but the 11 takes the lead at this point now. So if you're watching on TV, you know, the 19 or the, uh, 11 leading, of course, is bad news because at this point of the race, Ryan doesn't have those points and he gets bumped down below the cut line. If one of those two guys wins. So, you know, kind of like a little, you know, uh, you know, we're kind of biting it, uh, biting our tongues here and hoping that something good happens as we go, uh, by lap 82 up to sixth, And then at lap, uh, so we're up to sixth here at lap 104. We get this caution with the 47 hitting the 21 and the 48 in, involved. And the 21 ends up spinning. Scary and, moment for the 11. The 11 yeah. was uh, coming up on these guys as this happened. Coming up on it. Yeah. He almost thought we were going to be uh, in really good shape very early on, but I don't yeah. necessarily want it to happen that way. But the 11 mm-hmm. was able to duck past and Ryan was able to get woe down. I was worried. You know, I see the 11 get by and I'm like, oh man, hopefully we don't get run over. But yeah. uh they come out unscathed. Yeah. Um, so we're going into pit here and, uh, you know, I'm going to use the NASCAR app on this, the TV. We, we, we rewatched the broadcast today and they didn't put the times in there, at least not on the, on the broadcast that I saw. So, um, the NASCAR app saying 10.277, uh, in sixth out fourth. And so now all of a sudden we're in stage one still, and we're on the best side, you know, on the good side of getting points here. So, uh, the restarting at uh, lap, uh, what do we got? 111 here, the 11 leading. But by lap 113, Ryan takes advantage. He's up to second. So now we're just chasing the rest of the stage here till, till lap 130. We're just chasing the one, or chasing the 11, chasing them, chasing them. And uh, the 11 does win the stage. Ryan P2. So now we're talking nine stage points to the cut line, um, you know, above, depending on who finished, you know. But of course, the 11 gets 10 points here. But what's most interesting is the 24 gets no points. So Ryan goes from 20 below him to now 11 below him. And we're not even into stage two yet. So it's like, wow. I mean, getting to that point, you know, by the end of the race, you'd have to finish somebody ahead of him, blah, blah, blah. But right now at this point, you know, unless something happens with the 24, we go. Yeah. I mean, he gets. They're right on point here as far as what their goal was. They needed to be 
the, a shadow to the 19 and 11 all day long. Cause if they could, he could just stay within one or two positions of them all day long. And then neither of them win. He's basically a lock to get in on points pretty much no matter what, cause they wouldn't be able to gain enough points on him to get past. So yeah. I was like, okay, this is fine. The 11 can go out and win stage one. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Things can change. Um, so, I mean, I was totally fine with that. And the, just the fact that one, I know you mentioned you're using the NASCAR app for these pit, road times and from what i've i've noticed they usually seem to be a little bit higher on the app than they show on tv so like i said yeah. i think they they measure it slightly differently but i can't imagine that they had a 10 plus second stop that gained them that gained them spots on pit road but you know i mean you know this pit crew uh what can i say they've been doing <laughs> great work the last several weeks and uh mm-hmm. i hope they keep it up especially when they they get down there into uh to arizona over the weekend so uh, we do restart the second stage here at lap 140, and you're racing behind the 11 until lap 194. So pretty much just kind of spreads out for a while. And what's interesting, I don't know how TV covers this, but traffic traffic is where it ends up being a big deal. How do guys navigate the traffic, how well they get around somebody? And, uh, you know, the better your car is, the easier it is to maneuver around the slower guys. And... Um, we do end up seeing some of this as it goes on here, but we get uh, at lap 194 taking the lead, you know, got to him, passed him. And then at lap 216, we get a caution for the 51 car. Um, Ryan Newman is out there and he's still one of the toughest guys to pass. <laughs> I think there was a point in time where Ryan was having to try and go around him and he was just it was like please ryan uh renew ryan yeah. newman is renew, just please get out of the yeah way. we're looking <laughs> at each other and all you said you just mouthed it to me newman and i'm like okay newman. That, that, yeah because yeah, it was i think he may have already been lapped at that point i'm like what is he doing i'm like just get out of the way but um you're talking about how good the car is and i think in one of ryan's post-race interviews he talks about this ability that the 12 car had that almost nobody else had and that was the fact that he could pass he even for the lead, you know, heads up with, you know, guys on the lead lap, but especially when he's gotten, he got tangled up behind some lap cars that were hard to pass on the bottom. He'd go outside yeah. and it was yeah. amazing to see because yeah. he was the only one to do it. I think even when he takes the lead from the 11, I think the 11 was battling Ty Dillon couldn't mm-hmm. get past him. Couldn't get past him. Ryan gets up under the 11 and then goes by past the 77 on the outside outside checks out. So, I mean, yeah. it's just like, okay. That's something yeah. that he can do. And I really, I mean, I saw other guys uh, like Logano early on running like that middle groove in the turn, but it was when they were out by themselves. It wasn't when they were trying to make passes. So, I mean, that I don't know what Jonathan Hassler did and what the engineers did with this car this week, uh, but they figured something out to where Ryan could pass on the bottom. He could pass on the top and he can make time pretty much wherever he put that car. So, uh, we get that caution and we're coming into pit here. Four tires. Now, um, the 12 team is a 10.60. The 11 is 10.275. So it's four tenths of a second, but this is more than enough. Um, the, uh, 19 car is the second stall on pit road. Now it used to be the first stall, but now they use the first stall for something else. But he's the first guy, you know, off the end of pit road there, and he speeds between there and the and the uh, the end of pit road, and because um, the radio and the TV or the you know had him had him P two coming off pit road, yep. well he he sped, that's why he was P two, um, so he goes to the rear, and this pretty much, I hate to say it, but it ruins he's his day is done once he gets back there. Yeah, they have uh, some other issues with a pit stop later on with. Mm-hmm. 
unfortunately it was a jack issue and they actually swapped out and i don't know that it was the jackman's fault but coincidentally they they had swapped out the some crew members over the weekend um the, this pit stall you mentioned used to be the number one pit stalls where they'd pit from i think the monster energy pit box or something is there now and i don't know it's happened at other tracks where they've done this specifically where the leader has sped because of mm-hmm. this because they think they could just gun it and mm-hmm. go straight out and not realize that they're not really the true first stall. And one thing I think it was Larry McReynolds or somebody was talking about the fact that you could do that as a leader. If you don't go straight, if you go out to the right a little bit and kind of cut it, um, you know, you don't go in a straight line, at least go out more toward pit road. Like you could go full bore and get to the line and not speed. But since he went straight right at the timing line, it was, all over mm-hmm. from there, and he kind of threw his yeah. team under the bus a little bit, saying, you told me I could go four lights. I only went two, and they caught me speeding. So, you know, mm-hmm. they gave me the wrong information. Mm-hmm. I mean, he eventually, you know, went to, you know, we win and lose as a team type of situation. But, man, this is exactly what I was talking about earlier. I said I wasn't worried about the 19 because something bad happens to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was at that Homestead race uh, when they put the tires on the wrong sides of the car, and it's just – no matter who the crew chief is, it's just it's just something weird. I mean, they did win a championship when it was a 78, but since they've been the 19, something, mm-hmm. I don't know, just something follows that, those guys, and it's unfortunate for them. Uh, we restart lap 226 here with the 11 leading, um, but at lap 227, Ryan gets the lead back. Two, 229, the 11 lead gets, you know, gets the lead again. At 230, Ryan gets it back again. It's a great, great job. Of, like There were crossovers. Uh, you know, one guy would get 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 in front, the other one come behind him, and then get it back up underneath him, coming off the turn. Normally, um, um, if you've been to a race, people stand up for the first couple laps of a restart. You know, we were maybe eight or nine laps into this restart with Ryan and 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 Denny battling. Again, you look around, nobody sat down. I mean, this was probably some of the best racing of the day, and it's kind of the first part where. I remember last season I talked about we started to see a different Ryan Blaney out on the track, a more aggressive Ryan Blaney. And I feel like there's been points of this year where he's kind of pulled back on that a little bit. The Ryan that showed up to Martinsville was not going to give up a position. I'd mentioned just a few minutes ago, all he had to do was just to be a shadow of the 11. He could have just tucked in behind and run behind him. Um, Ryan, that's probably not necessarily Ryan's mentality. He wanted to lead laps mm-hmm. and he wasn't afraid to lean on the 11. And um, they've had some, uh, some scary moments. Uh, I think even during this battle, you know, bumping, bumping each other, Ryan get pushed up, fishtails a little bit. I mean, but you know, this is a, this is a different Ryan Blaney that's out there driving. He's aggressive. He's, but he's tactful. And uh, he wanted to go and take that victory. He didn't want to have the victory handed to him. So uh, the end of the stage is lap 260. Ryan ends up, you know, holding on for that 30 and some laps there. Wins stage two, the 24, zero points. So here we go. 24 car, zero points on the day. Ryan, 19 he was 20 behind him to start with now he's one back and as we were pointing out um uh, the tiebreaker is the highest finish in the round so if ryan finished one position in front of the 24 between now and the end of the race he wins the tiebreaker and it wouldn't matter who else won because if one of the other guys wins the race ryan would be that fourth guy he would be the, the points guy so he had already put himself in total position literally on the radio. Uh, Jonathan kind of says that he says, you know, a little different mindset. Now, uh, the goals have changed. Um, and they get on the radio with the 24 car at some point early on here too, and let him know, um, he needs a non, 
a non-winner of that group of yeah. four. He cannot afford to have the 19, the 11, the 17, or the 45 um, win the race. And the 45, he was kind of like checked out. The 17 yeah. really wasn't. So really, his, truthfully, the 11 was the big one. The 11 was the guy who was in position up near the front. But if, if one of those four guys wins and, you know, Ryan stays in front of the 24, the 24 would have not made the final four. Now. They also tell him that as long as one of those four doesn't win, uh, he needs to finish 18th or better points wise, just to make sure he outpoints any yep. of those guys from that point forward. So, uh, not, a, not, a uh, as bad a thing, um, it gives them a goal to work toward the rest of the race. But now Ryan is in a position where it's, it, it got real simple all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, all you got to worry about really technically is a 24. And if you want to go ahead and win this thing, let's just go ahead and win this thing. So were you torn at this point? I don't even know it would have necessarily been this exact point. It would have been a little bit later on after some cautions and stuff happened to where I'm like, he has such a dominant car. I really want to see him win. And I'm like trying to think, I'm like, am I going to be disappointed if he just finishes like seventh or eighth and and advances to the championship four? And I'm like, this is all going through my head as as we're watching these laps tick off. And I'm like, man, it's just so weird. Like all I wanted going into this weekend was just to see him finish good enough to advance. And now I felt almost kind of greedy wanting to him to see him win. Um, The things that you brought up about uh, the 11, all of Hendrick motorsports at that point was basically put on call to know you cannot help or let the 11 get by easily they they are, are Ryan Blaney fans at that point because if Ryan wins, then the 24 still has a, a, an ability to point him his way in. So you're going to see some things a little bit later on this race where you know Ryan comes up behind some Hendrick Motorsports cars who gladly get over for him, mm-hmm. and Denny Hamlin pulls up on some Hendrick Motorsports cars and has the fight of his life <laughs> on mm-hmm. trying to yeah. to get past them. So, but it was just such a weird point in the race where I'm like, oh, just one, you're you're pointing at me, you know, put holding up your finger, just one spot. He just needs one position in front of the 24, and um, it's weird. It was just a ball of nerves this whole race, and I started to feel a little bit better. Um, but when things get sh- shook up a little bit later on, it's not as it's not as clear cut as it as it seemed it could have been. Um, mm-hmm. But also some of that was I just really wanted to see the 12 in victory lane and not just yeah. not just just advance on points. Yeah. Watching lap times and then watching the, the ability he had to pass uh, made you really think that he should should win the race. He was the best car all day and the best driver in that car. Um so we're staying out here and we do get a restart at lap 271 here. And right away, there's a caution for the 54, 22, 6, 34, 38, 99 situation uh, down in turns three and four. And uh, I'm going to call this the wingman situation. Yeah. The wingman um, got a little frisky. <laughs> the wingman got a little frisky and I'm fine with that. Um, as long as it doesn't cause us any issues, but um, we're going to, we're going to use this wingman term this week and uh, hopefully next week. Uh, because last year it was something that came up at, at Phoenix and, uh, this year, truthfully, the last three or four races, um, definitely the 22 car and this race here, the two car at one point is up there and the 21 later on actually kind of helps out too on some things. So, um, those three guys are doing a great job, uh, at team Penske of supporting Ryan, uh, during these races, there's some things that are happening. Um, sometimes they're unseen by TV, uh, but we saw him at the track and this one here, the 22 was really trying to get up there near the 11 to, to make things hard for the 11, but the 54, you know, he's, he's a young kid and he's trying to prove some things. And then, uh, Joey kind of made sure that he proved who he was, uh, 
on that move. Yeah, I think it made it look like Joey was trying to do some sort of combo shot of the 54 to 11. I think in reality, Joey was just trying to get up there and, and mm-hmm. get in position. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but how good does this feel? How often over the last, even going all the way back to the Brad K days and stuff, has Ryan had to be the good team man? Has had to play the role? I don't want of the wingman or just just helping somebody else. And finally, mm-hmm. he's in a position to where they're assisting him and they're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was uh, for fans. A lot of us maybe even questioned, like, would Joey mm-hmm. even pay, repay a favor like this? And we've seen several times this year. Um, even there was even a glimmer of it last year. I think um, a, a couple of times in the playoffs, where after Joey had already, I think, locked in with his win at Las Vegas and some stuff that that he helped Ryan out. So we saw some glimmers of it last year before Joey even won his championship. But um, it just feels really good knowing that they they walk the walk or they you know talk the talk, walk the walk, and um, we don't want them out there manipulating races to the extent that some teams have in the past. But they're make they're not making it easy on the, mm-hmm. on the competition. And there's a point when all three Penske cars were lined up and I was like, this is exactly how we won them. And it worked out really well at that point in the race. Yeah. You, you get into a point now and, and next weekend is, you know, we'll see it where one team has two cars, you know, but the other two teams have one car and those other cars are definitely going to do things to support that one car. And uh, like you said, I mean, this year, and especially the last couple of weeks since Joey's been knocked out, uh, the focus of the 22 uh, helping it's been awesome. And I really would love to be a fly on the wall at the shop when they kind of get together for the meetings and stuff like that, because I guarantee you that, uh, you know, cause Ryan said it in interviews that Joey's given him, you know, good advice. He's definitely a veteran who's been there. He's one, two of them. So he's definitely a guy that, you know, hopefully Ryan gets a chance to talk to you a lot this week, just to, to know what, what the experience is going to be like and to help him get, you know, get where, get to where he needs to be. Um, so we're staying out at this caution here. We get to the restart lap 285 from P1 here, and then at lap 303, be the caution for the 5442 situation. Um, you know, Josevar is trying to prove himself a little bit, um, but uh, we're staying out here. And then we restart lap 310, and then we get a caution at lap 323 for the 34 and the 43. Now, this is where you're talking about like the goals and things changing. And it's because of all the different things that happen on this pit stop. This pit stop is four tires. It's 10.5, I'm sorry, 10.452. So it's actually a really good stop compared to the other times of the day. Um, but you get the nine, the seven and the 43 who just totally stay out. And at this point, they're probably not going to make it on fuel. As a matter of fact, we find out later on, they're about 20 laps short. Um, the 10 takes fuel only. The five takes fuel only. Um, the 17 and the 47 take fuel only the 14, to 38 take two tires. So all of a sudden we've jumbled the field. We've got some guys doing some alternate strategies and at lap 329, the pace car breaks down. This may be the play of the race. Um, this is really, really kind of weird and funny. Something happened where it was gathering up, um, the tire debris yeah like rubber was building up underneath the car they said it messed with the and i don't know if it like started to heat up and melted some wiring but yeah it messed with the the electrical system under the car and yeah the car just comes to a stop between turns one and two and i was so confused because 
it just pulls over to the side and the field keeps going. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is happening? And then the funniest thing is one of the, you know, the extra Toyota Tundra track drying team trucks initially starts pacing the field. Yeah. And then after that, they pull that one off. And then I think an AMR safety truck paces the yeah, field to green. The field. Right. But it was just, it was a funny thing. I've heard, you know, I listened to uh, the radio the whole way home on the drive from Virginia down to Florida today. And there's plenty of callers that are, you know, either Toyota fans or Ford fans, you know, beating their chest about, you know, seeing the, the Chevy <laughs> break down. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's so funny. It's I don't it's not funny, but it Chevrolet even had to put out like an official statement explaining, you know, like this wasn't, yeah. you know, the Camaro is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can keep going, keep buying the Camaros while you can. I think mm-hmm. they only have like a year left on them. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it wasn't their fault, which truly this new tire that they brought has laid late in, I think, it can, uh, combined with the 80 plus degree temperatures laid down way more rubber on this track at Martinsville than any other tire they've had in the last several years. So yeah, um, it was, yeah, I feel bad. The, uh, the pace car was picking it all up and was not putting it down <laughs> and uh, it breaks, <laughs> but you can explain how this, uh, this impact strategy, because you're going to hear a lot on the TV broadcast and the radio broadcast all about fuel and who has enough fuel. And even the guys that took four, do they have fuel? And uh, you can, you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I listened to, of course, listen to the actual scanner and, uh, you, you and I talked about this later on that I think they lie to the radio Pete and TV people, because when they came to pit road, as they were coming to pit road, uh, you know, Jonathan was a little bit hesitant and he was kind of like, yeah, this isn't ideal. He says when they left pit road, he said, we're at the number. So they got enough fuel in it. And this may have been why, you know, the stop might've been a little quicker if they, you know, but I think they were trying to make sure they got enough fuel in it. And he said, we're at the number. So this means from this point forward, you would think, okay, well, as long as there's not a caution and, you know, if they get two or one caution that might help, but if they get uh green, white checkers at the end, it might not be good. Um, but what's funny is, is you get, a, you know, within the caution, you get the caution for the pace car and then I added like four or five more laps of pacing. And as you know, Ryan was told that we're at the number, he is conserving fuel now too. So he's in fuel save mode during the caution. And then once we restart, there are points and times during these next, uh, whatever laps that, uh, he's not running, you know, totally full bore trying to get to everybody in front of him. He may be lifting just right, uh, you know, in the turns, give himself a little bit of extra fuel. Um, they do restart uh, lap, uh, what would be, would be 333 here, I think. Um, he's in 14th with the nine leading. Outside of um, him battling with the 11 early in this race and getting physical, this was the most scared or mm-hmm. nervous I was the entire race because of what I saw happen in the middle of the pack the rest yeah. of the race prior to this, because you can turn into a pinball real yeah. fast. And no matter real how fast. many points they scored in the first two stages, how good of a position they're in, if they break a toe link because somebody spins them, uh, it's all over. So this is, this is, I was saying, I mean, this mixed pot of emotions to where, okay, he might not win now because everything's all jumbled up. So I guess they can rely yeah. on points, but I really wish he would win. Also, I hope he finishes uh, with <laughs> yeah. where he's, he's restarting here. Right. So, um, yeah. And he's still in front of the 24 during, during all that. And, um, by lap four twelve here, the 10 had taken the lead. Now Ryan went from, uh, 14th to about eighth during that. 
you know, a lot of these cars that are in front of him don't really speed wise really weren't supposed to be in front of him. So he does get by a lot of them. And then they're in lap traffic at this point too. Um, but like I said, lap 412, the 10 takes the lead. Ryan passes the 11 car about this time, too. And I put in parentheses that for the lead, ultimately, because truthfully, the 11 car speed wise is one of the few guys that was near Ryan. Uh, Ryan's up to seventh at lap 422. He's up to sixth at lap 430, up to fifth at lap 436, up to fourth at lap 440, up to third. Um, you know, and at this point, he kind of cruises for the next like 10, 15 laps and there's some radio communication. Like if you catch a uh, race hub, they'll show you on, on there with the, the, uh, the radio chatter where he just, I'm just kind of chilling here. You know, he just kind of says that it's like, you know, he, they know, they know what they're trying to do, but traffic is getting in the way of some of these cars too. And it's slowing some things down and we're watching, um, the NASCAR app. I've got the timing of scoring up and it's a couple laps behind, but you're still able to see like, He's two tenths faster than this guy, three tenths faster than that guy in front of him. And he's four seconds back. So, you know, you kind of calculate how many laps that would take and it might take a while, but some of the traffic helps too. So he, you know, by lap 461, he's up to second. And at this point, he's getting closer and closer to the 10 car who's leading and literally like a big gap. It took a while. Yeah. Yeah. It was three, it was three, four seconds, but instead of it taking, 10 laps it was taking three or four laps to get 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 a second gain you know and that's pretty quick and uh the 21 car actually comes kind of into play in this too because he's racing in front of the 10 car trying to stay you know from getting a lap there and doesn't totally slow him down but the 10 car doesn't have enough speed to get by him and uh at lap 478 ryan takes the lead off the 10 car so and uh obviously big cheer here but it was worth noting with this crowd as Ryan was picking cars off, every pass he made, there was a, an audible cheer. Mm-hmm. Biggest cheer came when he passed the 11 car, because I think collectively everybody knew that, as you said, was truly basically the pass for the win. Um, big cheer you know, is let out when he passes the 10 for the official lead. Um, going back to that, those calls during that pit stops, I have to say, I think it's Drew Blickensdurfer is the, the crew chief for the 10. They, they might not win the race here, but that was called a race. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. especially for a driver, just the, just announced he's stepping away from full-time yeah. racing at the end of the year was this close to pulling off like an upset, crazy victory. That would have been amazing for him. Unfortunately, it, it didn't happen. And um, um, I'm sure, you know, Ryan and the team, you know, that, I mean, they wanted the victory, but it, it, there's probably some, some sentimental thing for, to see a guy walk off into the sunset like that. And then you having to be the bad guy that, that comes in and, and passes them instead. But uh, anyway, kudos to the 10 team and then call the race. I mean, they, they knew how the tires were working out. They knew the strategy, the pull, and they, they put enough fuel in the car. But um, like you said about um, them lying to TV, lying to radio, because I'm listening to the radio broadcast and I'm like, and they said that they've talked to the 12 team and they've talked to the crew chief and they're short on fuel. And I'm telling you that, and you're like, they're not short on fuel. And then when I get home today and we're re-watching some of the broadcast, and I'm watching these clips, I'm like, TV's even saying that they're short on fuel. And I'm like, they they don't want to show their hand. Like they're, they're going to mm-hmm. be as, I think they followed back up with Jonathan a little bit later on and they asked him, are they okay? And Jonathan gave him like a, it's going to be tight. It's going to be real mm-hmm. close because, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't want to show his hand. And uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, radio and TV are going to pick up on that stuff to, to give you all the excitement and drama that they possibly can. But um, how cool was it 
to watch Ryan pick up pick off all of those cars with a dominant car. How many times have we seen him dominate a race and something happen and he finishes top five, top ten? And mm-hmm. um, again, different team this year, different Ryan Blaney this year. Coke six hundred dominant car. They close it out and they get to victory. Um, dominant car here at Martinsville, and uh, they execute from top to bottom. And it was it was a sight to behold. I think they turned out a butt whooping on everybody. I mean. Mind you, he didn't lead all the laps in stage three. Um, but uh, when they when they did get out front, they were just so dominant. It was so much fun to watch, watch him carve up through the through the lap traffic. Um, just just so great to watch them have the car underneath them that they needed, and the execution you know that they needed out of everybody involved. Um, Jonathan Hassler just super super job putting that that team out there, putting that team together. Um, this is, uh, you know, we talk about before about coming, coming together at the right time. Um, and this weekend was, was the culmination of that. And then hopefully this next, this next weekend it, it, what's great about, you know, remember last year we talked about how, uh, going into the playoffs for like eight or 10 weeks going into the playoffs every weekend was like a playoff race for those guys. And they were like clicked into like, just execute, execute, execute. Well, now, you've done that these last three weeks, you've executed, executed, executed all three weeks and done it in such a manner that you won the race going into the, into the, into the final race. So now you know exactly what it's going to take at Phoenix to win this whole thing. And you're, you know, that you can do it and confidence wise, that's got to be great for everybody involved uh, to just put this thing over the top next weekend. So uh, we have some of the audio pulled from some of the post-race interviews. So why don't we go and uh, listen to what Ryan said to some of the media uh, in victory lane after uh, the race. This kind of tire for Mustang was super fast. Uh, really from yesterday, I, I knew our race run cars were good. I, I was happy with it. Um, long run yesterday and, you know, we didn't qualify great, but I really wasn't too worried about that. You know, I've, I feel like as we kind of got going in the race, we would be fine. Um, try to establish yourself in the first stage to get into like the top three or four and then you can kind of all right you can go to work there um it was a little hard to get there in the first stage but we were able to do it um so yeah i mean we didn't make any mistakes good on pit road all day uh good on the racetrack car was phenomenal and um amazing on long run i mean absolutely rocket ship on long run i would just kind of just kind of bide our time there and and uh, save tire and and uh i think you know our plan of saving so much tire early helped us when we got to lap traffic because you know you're going to run into lap traffic and it's hard to get through it and you need to have some tire to do it and be able to move around and i think that strategy we had really paid off you mentioned that in your race report the fact that ryan kind of just rode around there for a little bit after everything got jumbled up saved his equipment saved fuel saved tire and i mentioned to you from watching in the stands it just seemed like there was a point when i don't know if jonathan gave him the go-ahead or he just kind of instinctively knew as the laps were, you know, closing in on the final laps of this race that he just, you know, went into another gear, you know, and uh, not literally, but <laughs> figuratively and just started picking them off and moving forward. And that's because he saved all of that stuff. He saved the tire. Mm-hmm. He knew how good of a long run car he had and he wasn't worried about it. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, they were in a good points position. So I'm sure he wanted to win. He wanted to get up there, but he wasn't under too much stress. Now, um, I was still stressed about a caution coming out because I think if a caution comes out, this race is turned upside down and I do not even want to think about what would happen. Um, at the end of stage two, when Jonathan tells him about the change of uh, game plan, 
what it really is saying is don't hurt. Don't get yourself into situations where you're going to hurt the, yourself in the car. And that's what he's really saying. He's not saying, Hey, let's just make sure we're one spot in front of that guy. He's saying your mindset, you know, sure. We want to win the race if we can win the race, but don't do anything risky. Don't do anything that's going to take you out of position just to do that. And, you know, as these, uh, these laps tick down and he's moving in front and moving in front, moving in front and getting past guys, past guys, past guys, you know, that's all he's really trying to say is you're going to pass guys. Make sure you do it in a manner that hopefully keeps you from, from being crashed or somebody crashing you or, you know, or angering you or, or whatnot. And, uh, they execute down the stretch, you know, he executes down the stretch, but there is a point in time in there in the third stage where he asks where we are on fuel. Are we good on fuel? And, uh, you know, J- Jonathan just says, yep. And that's probably that point forward. They really, really, where he really decides to go ahead and push a little bit, you know? So, um, yeah, everything was perfect. So you mentioned crew chief, Jonathan, Jonathan Hassler, who set up a perfect car and in my opinion, called a perfect race and NASCAR's social media team caught up with him in victory lane where, um, it's really great to see, uh, Jonathan smiling after a race. And, uh, here's what he had to say here in victory lane with the winning crew chief, Jonathan Hassler, first and foremost, congratulations on the win here at Martinsville, but congratulations. You're in the championship four. Yeah, we, uh, you know, there are a couple of different ways we're going to get in and, um, you know, to win with kind of the walk-off, um, and get ourselves in is, is awesome. So super proud of Ryan and the whole team. You had a lot of speed in practice on Saturday. You guys had what looked like the fastest car out there on the racetrack for today's race, but what fell into the hands of the number 12 today? Uh, I think our long run speed got even a little bit better. Um, in practice, we were a little bit of a short run car, made a couple of small changes to try and make it hold on, and then it um, seemed like maybe the track uh, maybe started to cool off there the second half, and it really, really came to us. What does the next week look like to prep, knowing that this team is going to go race for a championship? Yeah, it's a uh, you know short week, just a couple days uh, working on the car uh, before the car has to leave, and then um, you know we'll still continue to study kind of all of our notes and uh, you know watch old races and, and really work our plan for every uh, aspect of of the weekend and uh, make sure we put our best foot forward going to Phoenix. Here in Victor. So really cool to hear from Jonathan Hassler there and even a little bit insight into what they're going to have to do really quick turnaround when it comes to, uh, to getting prepared for Phoenix, because they have to get that, those, those cars in the hauler and they have to drive all the way across country. So they only really had today, Monday, and probably a little bit part of uh, uh Tuesday morning to get things last minute things set up. And I know they've been probably working on this car in advance anyway, um, but I'm bet Jonathan's having a pretty long night tonight as we, uh, we record this thing to get is that car, you know, uh, polished and, uh, maybe some last minute SIM sessions and, and everything else. But man, I'm not even sure that they need it. I know the car and the, the setups change over the year, but, um, mm-hmm. this 12 group's been really, really good at Phoenix. Yeah. Ryan speaks to that during some of the post-race interviews that he does, um, where they talk about still learning, uh, and, and still, you know, gaining knowledge, and still adjusting, uh, that you don't just rest on your laurels. Um, and they definitely are still trying to improve. I mean, I understand that if you look at Ryan's finishes at Phoenix, especially in the new next gen car and over the last four or five years, you're going to find all kind of great numbers, but I guarantee you, they were still trying to work on getting that car a little bit faster because just that little bit, um, next Sunday might be exactly what they need. 
So why don't we go ahead? I mean, we've we've talked a ton about Martinsville. Congratulations yeah. to I the mean, twelve the, team getting that that the, grandfather the, clock. The that was the other thing. The clock. We're you know we so we rushed down the stands. Let's talk about that for a second. We rushed. Yep. We're we're all the way down at, almost into turn one where we're at because we're at the end of the main grandstand and we're all the way down fifty five rows, all the way over toward Victory Lane, and um, we're in the stands. We can't obviously be down there, uh, but actually one of our better followers, Justin Hughes, uh, did have access down there. He got some great pictures. Um, the interviews were super, um, but it was so good to watch everybody get to celebrate together up on that stage. Um, I know we were talking about earlier, like, you know, the Ryan and his family got up there guys that we've gotten to know over these last couple of years doing the podcast, uh, guys like mule, being up there, uh, you know, and being able to celebrate and take that picture with that clock, you know, Josh has one already from the truck series, you know, with his guy. Um, but just being able to see him up there and you know, Ryan up there with all those guys and celebrate with those guys, uh, because the clock is a different trophy than anything anywhere else. You know, they all take pictures with the trophy, but that clock, you know, they'll buy replicas of that, you know, uh, of that clock for a lot of guys on the team. Now those guys all get a clock too. a lot of them, you know, so it's really kind of a really special trophy. And uh, it was really great to get down there and take some pictures and just watch everybody smiles, you know? Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on about this experience at Martinsville top to bottom, obviously um, made it so much better. The fact that Ryan wins. I mean, I didn't expect that when we, we hopped in the car and drove the the nine or 10 hours up there on Friday that we'd experience such an awesome weekend. And like you said, getting to see every one of those team members, you could see the pit crew wanted to be around that, that trophy, Josh, you know, that's a special trophy to him and his family. I think his grandfather was general manager at Martinsville. You can go back and listen to our interview episode with spotter, Josh Williams, where he talks about growing up around the track and riding, riding his bike around there, getting into trouble, doing all kinds of fun things. And yeah, he did get one of his own with Zane Smith, but I know getting one on the cup series level with Ryan really meant a lot to him. So it was cool to see him get up there. Uh, I think even with some of his family too, to take a picture with the clock as well, all you know, you're seeing those, those guys up on stage and it's, you know, we've interviewed like five or six of these guys, mm-hmm. you know, getting able to talk to talk to them, get to know to them, get to know them over the last few years. And um, just to see them happy and celebrating because we know the adversity and the criticisms that this team and any sports team can face over the years. And, and we see the hard work that they put into it and to just see them kind of reaching that pinnacle there, you know, they have one more step to go mm-hmm. to get to that championship. Um, but to me, even advancing to the championship four in this era of NASCAR cup series racing means a lot. Um, but if they can take that one next step, it's going to mean so much more. And all of that is going to kick off this weekend at Phoenix raceway where all three of NASCAR's top national series are going to crown their champions. And that's going to kick off Friday, November 3rd with action at 8 PM Eastern time. This is going to be a little bit different this week. They give the NASCAR cup series a little bit more practice time and it's on a different day. And I can't remember in the past, it's been 50 minutes. I think it might only be like 30 minutes of practice, but it's going to happen on Friday, 8 PM Eastern time, the NASCAR cup series practice on USA followed at 10 PM Eastern time. This one's a little bit late every year because the the time difference all the way out there in Phoenix. So 10 PM Eastern time, the NASCAR craftsman truck series championship race. That's going to be on FS one. That one's always, you know, pretty action packed. I think Zane Smith is out of the running. He didn't advance to their championship four, uh, but maybe he can play spoiler and let's see what happens there. I think Ben Rhodes 
is in a Ford. So, I mean, if you're looking for somebody to root for, maybe that's somebody uh, you want to look at. Um, Saturday, November 4th, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time, NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. That's going to be on the USA Network. Again, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It's going to be really, really important track position wise the last several times they've been at phoenix it's a lot of the same complaints drivers have had at short tracks about being really really difficult to pass i mean some of the only opportunities are on restarts when they go crazy through the dog leg and that's kind of uh, chaotic and you don't want to rely on that um if the 12 team can bring a car like they did at martinsville that can pass on a flat shorter track uh, i think they won't have a problem but qualifying still really important 4 30 p.m eastern time on saturday on the usa network followed at 7 p.m eastern time as the nascar xfinity series championship race also on usa and then sunday this is one you're going to be wanted to tune in for 3 p.m eastern time the nascar cup series championship race you can watch that on nbc and peacock 3 p.m eastern time ryan blaney William Byron, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson. Those are the four guys that are going to be vying for the NASCAR Cup Series championship. Lots of rumble on the bandwagon. Get on the bandwagon. Jeff Gluck already made his prediction. Guess who he picked to win? Ryan Blaney. That's right. That's right. And I think it was the beginning of the year. Did Dale Jr. make his prediction at the beginning of the year? Beginning okay. of the year. Yep. Beginning of the year. And it's it's so funny because there was an opportunity or two during the playoffs where uh they did it on his podcast and then they did it on tv once even where they says hey you want to change your pick and he says nope i'm sticking with my pick and last week it was so so funny i'm sure you can find the tiktok with the sound clip on his podcast on on the download um where he he says uh, i'm i'm with team blaney and uh you know it, uh, it was kind of funny uh, that uh, just because the way he said it, he may or may not know of of the team. Why don't I just play it? Yeah, go ahead play, play it. Yeah, here you go. That's right. I almost wore my actions detrimental shirt today, but I'm 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 I didn't want Team Blaney to think that I was jumping off the bandwagon to mm. championship bandwagon. I'm still Team Blaney. Yeah, your loyalty would have been yeah, questioned. It would have. Yeah. I didn't want to get. I don't want them to question my loyalty. That's right. I don't know. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Does he really know about the moniker? You know, he's liked the post. So all I could say is he's he didn't share it, but he, he has liked our post and everything. And I think uh, I mean we're prevalent enough on social media that we make the rounds, and he's interacted with some of our our social media stuff in the past too. So mm-hmm. um, either way, awesome. I mean, awesome. Just the fact that he picked Ryan. Mm-hmm. He's not standing down from that. And right. he's just looking week by week, smarter and smarter, because just like Joey Logano did in the 22 car last year, they won some races early in the season. They are a little bit mediocre for a while. Once the playoffs uh, uh, turned to that time of the year, the whole new 22 team showed up for the playoffs. And it's the 12 is doing so such similar. a similar path. And yeah. I'm hoping that it ends up at the same destination that Joey did last year. That's right. Peaking at the right time. But um, it's so funny. He's he's sticking with it. And uh, you got to give him great credit for sticking with his pick like that. And he's looking smarter and smarter, um, just like Chris Conklin did a couple weeks ago when when he made his statement. Um, and I, I reposted that to TikTok today, too, because um, and I told him, I says, look, I I have to because uh, you're right on it. You know, uh, you know, you you asked him what uh, what he thought of the, you know, and this was right after Talladega. You asked him what he thought. And he, and he says, we're going to win it. He says he's going to win one of the next three just because Ryan's good at all three. And he says they don't want to see us at Phoenix. 
because he's what do he say he's bad to the bone at phoenix is the way he put it and um i like i said if you go to our tiktok i reposted it the other uh right after the race last night because uh you know you want your guys to have that kind of confidence in your team and your teammates and chris definitely has that he believes that everybody around him is going to do what it takes and he definitely believes in ryan and his ability to drive that car so uh, i can't be anything more than pumped right now for this next weekend coming up bad to the bone is definitely a great way to describe ryan blaney when it comes to uh, his 15 career starts at phoenix raceway and it's so interesting the parallels between martinsville and phoenix they're both tracks that ryan is extremely good at two of his best statistical tracks over his career. So he, we talked about his stats at Martinsville. I think he had the best career finish average finish of any driver in the next gen era. Uh, He was like top two when it came to just overall average career finish going to Martinsville had never won there. Well, he checked that one off the bucket list there winning at Martinsville and getting that clock uh, this past Sunday, they head into Phoenix raceway. Now again, 15 career starts there, 15 career starts, six top fives, 10 top 10. So only five times has he not finished in the top 10. Eight of the last nine races at Phoenix, he has finished in the top 10, including one, two, three, four, five, six top fives. So all of those top fives have all come within the last nine races. And I'm going to read those off. And this is going to go back to the spring race of 2019. Third, third, he crashed out at 37th in the spring race 2020, then sixth, 10th, 4th, 4th, 2nd, 2nd. And and 4th, 2nd, 2nd is with the next-gen car, uh, which is important because uh, you, although the stats before that are awesome too, the next-gen car has brought a whole different situation with the tire wear and the way those cars race and shifting. Um, you know, they weren't shifting before. Before it was uh, on-throttle, off-throttle, braking, and, and how they handled that. Well, now they're doing shifting. And so nothing has changed for this driver. He has, if anything, gotten even better uh, with this car at this track. So um, there's like a couple career polls there to start. Yeah. yeah. One career, first career poll came in 2017. The second one in 2019 in the last 10 straight races, he's qualified in the top 10, uh, including that poll in 2022 so his last three starts there in the next gen car specifically started on pole second eighth i don't know statistically how you can look at something and not be more confident you could see last week leading into martinsville it was kind of like a slow burn as the media kind of started to realize how good ryan was there and you started to see some of the tv commentators on like race hub and on the radio shows and start to say you know what um you know ryan blaney comes in above the cutoff line He's really good at Martinsville. He has a chance to point his way in. And uh, no, he had a chance to win. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like the the 12 team has that same uh, confidence going into this race at Phoenix. And at this point, I just don't know. I, I do want to make a bold prediction, if I may. Okay. Go for and it. it might not be one that people are going to be excited about. <laughs> I think that Ryan Blaney wins the 2023 NASCAR Cup Series Championship but he's the first driver in the in this era of the playoffs to do it without winning the race. Okay, the, the, the main question is then who do you actually have winning the race? Don't tell me you have Kevin Harvick winning the race. <laughs> so that would be speaking with my heart. 
mm-hmm. I guess. I'm even half of my heart, I would say. If I was speaking with my whole heart, Ryan Blaney wins the race, wins the championship and whatever. Um, it would be an amazing story for Kevin Harvick to to win the race and Ryan wins the championship and they do some sort of dual burnout or something and passing the torch, kind of like I think Jimmy did with, with um, uh, Chase at one point when chase won his championship so um anyway that would that would be interesting i don't even know i I think it it almost might be one of those situations where like denny hamlin like it would be wouldn't it be like ultimate i don't even know if it's it's not revenge or like almost like ultimate heartbreak like where even like ryan you know had a car that could have won that race last year and he didn't advance the championship four and had to kind of ride around in second knowing that he could have won that race like i feel like a denny hamlin could win the race uh joey you know, Joey's been hanging around. Like you said, we've, you know, kind of offhandedly called him a wingman. He had a really good race at Martinsville. Um, he won this race, obviously, in the, the the fall last year to win the championship. So um, I just feel like that's like the kind of thing that would happen. Like Ryan would not, he'd be the first one to not necessarily win the race. And I don't care. He probably doesn't care. He he would be happy finishing 30th and have the the three other guys finish 31st 32nd and 33rd um just all you got to do is beat and yeah. this is what i wanted to bring up something that you are really good about saying he just has to beat three other guys there it is that, that's exactly what i was about to head toward three other guys the golden objective this weekend ultimately yeah you want to win the race because you win the race you know you've beat the three other guys but the reality is three other guys Put the pressure on them all race long. Make them chase you no matter where you're at. You know, if you're running third and the rest of those guys are fifth, sixth, and seventh, super. As long as they're fifth, sixth, and seventh and trying their guts out and screwing up while you're out there leading them. And and really truthfully, like I said, leading them. You're not really worried about leading the race. You got to beat three guys. You beat the 20. Uh, you, you know, you beat, you beat the 24. You beat the five and that's all that matters. You know what? I love, I know that last NASCAR would probably love for them to win the race for the champion to win the race, whoever it is, but three guys were watching three other cars all day long. And we want to see where those three cars are and how much better than those three cars we are. And let's make sure we're the best amongst those three cars and then finish this thing off. Now, as far as the, the race that I'm kind of looking for um, historically, you know, even with, Todd and Jeremy before they seem to come with a long run cars a lot. I would like to see this race play out. Now, again, if it comes down to stage three and they're totally opposite, I could, I am free to change my mind, but I'm looking for a, a long run, long runs that lets this race play out. I just don't want, even just for me and even for just those guys on pit road, I just don't want that pressure of a late race pit stop that could decide things. We saw that happen when the five won his championship. He, they won the race off pit road and that pretty much sealed the deal because of how hard it is to pass there sometimes. Now, if you talk to Ryan Flores and the rest of that, uh, and Chris and the rest of that 12 pit crew, maybe in, you know, metaphorically, they want the ball. They want to prove themselves and come mm-hmm. out first on pit road in a late race, uh, situation like that. So that's great. If it works out, that's awesome. I, I just want, I'm looking for a long green flag run to where yeah, this car well, can come to life. They can pass some people, and just win the thing outright or you know, finish it. ahead outright. So 
gap everybody behind him because we know one thing we know about Ryan and his his driving ability is he is extremely good at saving tires and yet running great consistent laps faster than everybody else while he while he does it and then the longer runs exactly right you know when he wins Atlanta a couple years ago uh, chasing down uh, the five car the reason he beat the five car was he ran great consistent laps and and saved his stuff. And then once he got by the five, he just gapped him because the five couldn't do that. The five had wore out his, his car and couldn't, couldn't get anywhere near him. And uh, even this past weekend, it was the same situation there when they got back into traffic a little while, you know, he saved his stuff. And by the end of, you know, 50 to 75 laps, all of a sudden he's passing everybody. Um, so exactly right. Um, this weekend I was just, just looking up the weather, um, you know, Sunday there, it looks like 88 degrees, uh, 88 on Friday and Saturday, although there'll be a little later in the day on Friday and Saturday doing stuff. Um, but are they bringing the same tire, correct? That they brought the Martinsville. I do believe it's similar. It's at least that kind of new version of a short track type tire, which did really mm-hmm. well under the, the warm slick conditions. So. Right. So let's see how it does on asphalt as, as compared to the concrete at, at, at Martinsville. Um, so yeah, let's see how it does on, on a full asphalt track like that. Uh, could be the perfect combination of things that uh, falls right into the hands of, of, of uh, the 12 team. So again, if you want to tune in this weekend, cup series practices on Friday at eight Saturday qualifying's at four 30 PM Eastern time in the race. You're going to be tuned in for this, gather the family, have a watch party. You're going to want to see no matter what happens, Ryan Blady compete in his very first appearance in the championship four for the NASCAR cup series, 3 PM Eastern time on NBC and Peacock. Well, now that we have all that business out of the way, we can get to the real portion of the podcast that everybody listens for every week. And that is the team Blady NASCAR fantasy live league recap. You you want to go through this. We want to extensively break this down this week, Steve, right? Uh, are we done yet with this? <laughs> <laughs> I ran, I, I ran, out, like I said, I told you earlier, I ran out of good picks. I used everybody up. That was any decency. And, um, so this weekend was just a just a struggle trying to find the right guys, and as the race went on, they they faded and they came back, and I couldn't change anything. I mean, I think I had Bradley, um, yeah, I had Bradley in there at one point. I had Harvick in there. So I was hoping for him to have a good day, you know. And they just didn't score a lot of points. You know, Brad had a, had a rough day. Um, yep. So you know, I had Byron in the in the in the. Uh, in there and he had a rough day so yeah it was just it was just a rough day all around i mean i chose truex hoping that he would at least be near the front because of what he had to do and he didn't do that so yeah yeah taking a look at my starting lineup i started ryan blaney got me 59 points larson got me 31 byron had a you know kind of an off day 24 points truex 33 points christopher bell 36 points uh, you know, we we're at the track. The Wi-Fi was fine. I probably could have made these changes, but I was too busy watching the race. Hamlin was in my garage, 53 points. So maybe that could have made a difference, but probably not. I ended up finishing 42nd overall in points earned at uh, Martinsville. I picked Reddick over Busher in a feature matchup. That was wrong. I picked Ryan over Hamlin. That was right. I picked Byron over Truex. That was wrong. I picked Larson over Bell. That was right. So I did get two out of the four featured matchups. So now let's take a look at the standings and points earned the top 10 and points earned at martinsville and that kicks off with the 10th position racing girl 12 with 233 
Pocono Lady with 235 and ninth. Eighth is Penske Fan 24 with 236. Seventh, Joe Lopez 1, 237. Sixth, Montana 12 Fan 240. Fifth is Alyssa C, 242. And fourth is Blady Cakes Beep, 247. Tied for second, Eric D15 and U.S. Calvin, 249 points earned in the winner this week and points earned at Martinsville Speedway, Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. No hesitation, 257. So again, I was in 42nd and you were in 64th overall, 143 points earned. So yeah, rough day for Mez 12 there in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League playoff standings. Still doing okay here. Um, you've dropped down. Did I scroll past you? You've dropped down. That's all I'm saying. It's, you're not anywhere near the top 15, it looks like. So uh, top 10, Glide's Chicken Pit Racing, 1,809 points. Ninth, Blanier Bust, 1,813. Uh, eighth, Zero Schlitz Given, 1,814. Seventh, my team, Team Blaney Host Adam, 1,824. Sixth is JD Racing, 1,826. And fifth is the Nutty Gamer, 1,833. Fourth is Moose Hunter, 1,960, 1,836. Third is Blaring Idiots, 1,846. Second is Fight 21, 1,864. And uh, kind of a happy household, though I've told her that the playoff standings mean nothing. But my wife, Tara, at Rogers T, is leading the way in first position in playoff points, 1,885. Now, the ones that do matter, that Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing has won the last two years, but is not going to be able to defend his crown as he is in the 11th position, 6,672 points, has an outside chance of finishing in the top 10 if he has a a good several weeks here. Um, I'm in the 31st position. This has to be the highest I have been in years. I don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on. 6,433 points. Mez, your team, 24th position, 6,497. Let's take a look at the top 10. Moose Hunter, 1960, 6,683. Ninth is JD Racing, 6,727. Eighth is Eric D15, 6,751. Seventh is Alyssa C, 6,762. Sixth is Fight 21, 6,795. Fifth is Go Larson, 6813. Fourth is Second is Factory of Sadness 6, 6,869. And leading the way, first, Blaney's Daisy, 6,915 points. They lead the overall standings in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. You have no picks left, so it's not worth talking about. Um, If you have Ryan Blaney, you're going to want to start him. Any of the championship four drivers are going to want to start. Mentioned that my prediction was Ryan would win the championship without winning the race. It's never happened before seems like somehow the top four guys are always at least in the top 10. Usually um, the drivers out there, give those guys a little bit more room, cut them some more breaks. Hopefully that happens when Ryan has this opportunity and you don't have a Chastain or Hosevar um, that's filling in, trying to make a name for himself. Like somebody that makes a mistake when you're around some of these guys and they give you some room. Um, but, I would say any of the championship four drivers, Kevin Harvick, if you're picking with your heart, Denny Hamlin has something to prove here. Joey Logano won this race last year. Uh, all of them might be some decent guys to start in your fantasy lineup. I'm really, really interested to see how qualifying goes on this one, because as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, the team Penske cars are 
closer and closer together and um, sharing setups or trying to help figure out during practice, but then getting to qualifying and the 22, especially qualified pretty close to Ryan a couple of different times now. And it would be real great to start a race where those two guys or even Harrison, but at least the 22 and the two are near Ryan on the track so that uh, we got a little extra muscle around us, you know, a little escort maybe um, uh, early on a restart to begin the race and maybe even later in the race when there's some, some restarting going on there. So um, yeah, it'd be real good to see the whole team as a whole do really well during qualifying practice, qualifying, and then bring that muscle uh, to the opening of the race on Sunday. All right, folks, this is it. Last race of the year, the NASCAR cup series championship race. Ryan Blaney is part of that championship for running for it. We need all of your powers of positivity to uh, put those good vibes out there all week long. If you can shoot the team, shoot Ryan, some posts, some photos, some messages on social media, just get those, those good vibes out there. We'll be happy to share them and uh, watch this race with us over the weekend and try to enjoy it. No matter what happens from here, I think this was a huge win for this 12 team to get through all the adversity that they've faced real or manufactured. I would say over the last few years, Um, this means so much to them to make it to this part. And now it's up to them to put the pressure on everybody else, execute, win this race. And uh, let's just try to enjoy this weekend as much as we possibly can. Yeah. Take the negative thoughts and put them outside somewhere. You know, um, if you've got those, I'm sorry that you do. Uh, these guys have been working hard, working hard. Some of them have been together with Ryan for a long time. You know, you're going to find out, you know, when we've done these interviews, uh, this guy's been around for a while. This guy's been with Ryan for a while, you know, and everybody's working toward the same goal. They've always been doing that. And uh, we want to celebrate with them this weekend and uh, celebrate, you know, the ultimate, of course, but celebrate the fact that they did what they did to get here and uh, celebrate these last couple of weeks, the way that they've executed as a whole, always learning from, you know, adversity. And uh, even this weekend, if there's some adversity, send out good vibes, think happy thoughts, because they're going to try and do whatever it takes to be there at the end. They only got to beat three guys. That's it. Three guys. Let's do this. And stage points don't matter. So that changes strategies completely. So there's plenty of time to recover if there is some any adversity or issues that they face early on. We hope we don't see that. And we hope we Mm -hmm. see the 12 car once again, second week in a row, back to back in victory lane, this time with the Bill France trophy. Thank you everyone. Once again, for tuning into this episode of the team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook, and X at Team Blaney and on Instagram and TikTok at Team Blaney. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Established in 2018, this organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org or follow them on Facebook, X, and Instagram. So, for my co-host Steve Mez. I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Check out the TikTok. And in the words of Al Davis, just win, baby. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Hope you enjoyed it.